Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There are a ton of other people who don't look homeless, and they are. Mm -hmm. That's the hidden homeless. That's Mm -hmm. um, me and my mother and autistic brother living in the car. There are a lot of people living in their vehicles. Welcome to Habits You Love, a thought-provoking podcast about self-love, self-healing, and spiritual evolution. I'm Kayla Fazio, and with each episode, it is my mission to expand your mind to what you think is possible for you and provoke thoughts of looking at your own healing you may need and help you discover the power you have within you to build healthy habits and create a life you love. Now, let's get to the episode. Today is... Uh, amazing day. It's a full circle moment for me. I want to introduce my guest, Megan Howell. About three months ago, I had the idea that I wanted to start creating merchandise as a way to get some grassroots marketing out there for the podcast and spread positivity. And I wanted to be able to give back as well. And within a couple of weeks, I had went to an event and it was Megan's event for her nonprofit, Second Heart Homes. And I was like, perfect. This is going to be the first nonprofit that I'm going to donate to. So we didn't end up meeting that night, but we ended up meeting up several weeks later. And now here we are. And you are my first guest as my (laughs) Habits You Love show. So I am excited to dive deeper into your story, into what you're doing now. Um, The event that I went to was an auction, an art auction. And all of the proceeds, all the donations were going to Second Heart Homes. So let's walk through a little bit of Second Heart Homes and what it is, how it got started, and we'll get to where you are today. Great. Well, thank you for having me. It's very nice to see you again. I've seen you. um, Well, apparently you're at the art auction. I didn't get to see you. But then when we needed a call for volunteers, you so quickly volunteered your boyfriend (laughs) first, (laughs) and uh, then then yourself. And that was just wonderful. And that was to open our eighth home, which is our third women's home. So at Second Heart Homes, um, our mission is to revive the dignity of the homeless and mental health population through housing support and love. And it started... I'm the executive director and founder where I was a waitress at Patrick's downtown, a, a local um, beloved burger joint. <laughs> and uh, Which I've never been to. Is it still open? It is. I need to go. And I hear on Friday nights there are a dance club and like a rave. I'm like, wow. Okay, now I really need to go. Burgers have me. come a long way. <laughs> rave burgers. Yeah. So... Um, 
I was a waitress and I became friends with a homeless gentleman who was living on the sidewalk who used to be a professor in upstate New York. He had been homeless for 25 years, yet we never really talked about homelessness because I figured if he wanted to talk about it, it was pretty obvious. And um, so he never brought it up. So never, never did I. I was going to school. I wanted to be a therapist. I had come from working the music festival scene and uh, manning the trip tent and making sure people didn't get Baker acted in a different state. They didn't lose their friends and, you know, could calm down and, uh, you know, just experience some some peace in the moment and uh, be rehomed, essentially. Yeah. Wow. I'd say, hey, fish would make me cry too. You know, here, listen to some Moby. We're going to be all yeah. right. <laughs> this is all tying together with what you do now. Yes. <laughs> I was also homeless as a child with um, my mother and autistic brother. So we were escaping a domestic violence situation. Uh, and I was about four, maybe five years old, hadn't entered kindergarten yet. And we just left in the night with black trash bags, and that was it. And no one wanted to help us. My mom also didn't want to get um, us taken away by DCF, and our homelessness was brief, only a few weeks. At the time, no one could really understand. That's why we weren't receiving much help. They're like, hey, you're just being hit. Why would you leave a stable household um, and put your your children through that? Um, it just a different time and different place. But it was brief. And um, so I spent a lot of my life growing up with my older autistic brother being the older sister, um, showing him really how life works as I was fumbling and figuring it yeah. out, too, because he requires a lot of patience, a lot of um practice and understanding. We were told that he was never going to um, excel past the third grade. He was always going to be violent, essentially a mute, and um, never (laughs) really have much of a life. Um, My mother got every book she could on speech therapy and proved all the therapists wrong and taught him how to speak. Uh, He graduated with a regular education diploma. Um, he's been working for 23 years at the same grocery store and he rides his bike three miles there and back and goes to the gym and he has a purpose. So that's really important. We all have to have a purpose and for him or myself or yourself, life purpose can look differently. And we have to keep that in mind Mm -hmm. that, um, he can't handle a giant social circle like I could or, or you could. Mm -hmm. Um, that's not his idea of happiness. So happiness and purpose is individualized. Um, and we'll come back to that. But fast forward, friends with this gentleman. Um, he told me lots of complicated stories that I cannot confirm or deny. <laughs> um, but he needed someone uh, to listen to him and not dismiss his perception of reality. And um, I was the person. So... Years went by, about eight years before he went missing off the sidewalk one day. And I knew something was wrong. Like, this is where he lives. Yeah, yeah, this is his home. Exactly. He would not just dip. And I remembered his real name. He had been featured in this terrible publication that would just show everybody's picture when they got um, arrested. And I shamelessly looked at it. Yeah. 
and learned that that wasn't his real name and just kind of stowed that away um, because I didn't want him to think I was a secret FBI operative Mm -hmm. or anything like that. (laughs) So, But when he went missing, that was very important information. I checked the jail. He wasn't there. And then um, I found him in the hospital where he'd been picked up for a medical emergency that almost took his life. Mm. And I said, what are your discharge plans? Mm -hmm. (laughs) He told me he was ready to get off the streets, which is nothing he'd ever said to me before. Um, I had no clue what to do, (laughs) honestly. Yeah. But I knew I had been placed in his room at that time for a reason. And um, so I had to just run with it. Right. Yeah. So we'll figure it out along the way. Exactly. As, as a lot of as things a lot of your life. Yeah has, yeah. has led up to. So um, I wanted to see if he had an open case. So I, I checked that out and he did. It was something for like trespassing some or outdoor lodging. I got in touch with his um, uh, public defender. And then from there, I was able to get in touch with the family who he had been estranged from, and they really wanted nothing to do with him. But I became the mediator because he wanted nothing to do with them either. So then suddenly um, things could get done um, on his best um, interest. And he needed to go to a skilled nursing facility. I had convinced um, his family to pay for it. He had to learn how to walk again from the medical emergency he suffered. And... (laughs) he was not easy to convince to go to that like yeah it's non-smoking you won't be able to smoke there (laughs) so i bought him about four hundred dollars worth of essential oils that he requested uh jojoba lavender oil um (laughs) tea tree oil i just heard that word for the first time yesterday really Yeah, yeah i've never heard it it's a tough one i went to several places looking for it and i didn't know it was spelled j-o-j-o so i was looking for hobo oh, oil yeah. <laughs> hobo oil h-o-h-o yeah legion fields is like what <laughs> and then, i'd probably uh, do the same thing right and then i'd come back he'd say no 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 they have it at Publix. they have it at Publix." and finally you know i said spell it and i looked at it i said Oh, okay. I went in there. The holy man is teaching you something. <laughs> yes, about essential oils <laughs> that Elysian Fields couldn't. So, um, yeah, kind of funny. So, bring him all these oils, and you know, he was very happy to cover his body in them because that's what was his um, kind of deflector from everything going on. Because when you're homeless, you're a couple things. Um, there are bugs attracted to you, mosquitoes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the sun and you've got intense loneliness and you got people looking down upon you. I mean, when you're laying on the sidewalk, you literally have people looking down upon you and judging every moment of your life. You know, he was out there, um, cleaning his toes and bathing Mm -hmm. and stuff in a very, um, kind of music festival way. Like, Hey, still have my shirt on. I got this wet rag, you know, like, uh, but it's, um, even though you're surrounded by people, it's very lonely. And, um, so he agreed to go to the skilled nursing facility and the social worker there told me that it was a waste of my time and a waste of his time and a waste of her time because he was a flight risk, which he certainly was. Um, and I know they've seen that play out. So it wasn't, um, you know, completely invalid. Right. 
But I said, listen, lady. You, <laughs> you have no clue. Yeah, what did stake it to get yeah, here right now? Yeah. Like, oh. so I said, all right, challenge accepted. You know, it's all about um, how you frame the situation. Mm-hmm. What kind of perspective you want to take? Do you want to take it as defeat or do you want to take it as, mm, you know, that. where do we change um, and how can we move forward? Yeah. What am I going to do with this obstacle in my way? Exactly. Yeah. So um, I love how the solution lies in the problem. So I said, well, he stayed at the hospital every day when I came and visited. Maybe that'll be enough here. Mm -hmm. So someone's going to bring him cigarettes Mm -hmm. and and sketchbooks. (laughs) And and his oils. And his oils. (laughs) So every single day for about six months wheeled him off the property so he could smoke all his cigarettes and talk about being the missing mm-hmm. Kennedy baby and other things. And, How old uh, was this man? Um, well, n- this was about se- seven years ago. So at the time, he had to be 56. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, and he used to be a professor. I mean, he was brilliant, yeah. uh, very tangential. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was hard to, to follow, mm-hmm. but... It was also the most interesting person I'd ever talked to. Yeah. Ever. Kept you coming back for more. Yeah. And yeah. he's so nice. And yeah. like, you know, this could be like, you know, my father or my brother yeah. or something of that nature. Um, and he was a sharp shooter. He told it how it was. <laughs> and maybe he is a missing Kennedy baby. I don't know. <laughs> it's not confirm or deny, but yeah. it's out there. So um yeah, every day he showed up, and when I saw him, sometimes I would cry that he was still doing it, and he'd be like, what's wrong with you? I'd be like, you're here. He's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, he was going to be discharged after he healed, and they were going to discharge him to the streets, which is what happens if there's not a place. It's not necessarily their fault, but... um. I was a volunteer property manager at a 110-unit apartment complex, cleaning out um, old rooms before they were situated for people to move into, laying tile, painting, Mm -hmm. cleaning, um, uh, bug extermination, (laughs) using a machete in a ravine. I just wanted experience with power tools and whatever I could do and and clean. And... um, so I asked the property owner at the time, I said, hey, um, I've got this guy who has a 25-year gap in rental history. <laughs> and oh, he's little, needs a place to stay. Yeah, and he's a little complicated, a little yeah. rough around the edges. You know, I didn't really candy coat it. I wanted mm-hmm. them to know what the barriers were first. Yeah. And then say, well, I will make sure money gets from point A to point B. Um, I will make sure that his medical care is coordinated. If he has, you know, outpatient, um, appointments, I'm going to help them, uh, make them, attend them, schedule them, understand them, and then help him go grocery shopping, help him clean his place. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, all these things that he needs, um, kind of reset on Mm -hmm. and, if there was ever an issue, it would be my issue before anybody else's, and I'd have him out in an hour. No evictions, court, none of that. They said, sure, whatever. Oh, okay. That was a little too easy. Yeah, I was not prepared for that. Yeah. So um, that was the genesis of Second Heart Homes because I thought, wow, this gentleman who had been homeless on the street corner, homeless for 25 years. 
and imagine how many times he's you know people have tried to help him and given up on him and all these things and um here we go he's housed just like that yeah so if that's impossible there's more to accomplish and from there um i opened up an llc and started subleasing places all over the community and running that same model getting a lot of difficult people off the street that everyone had lost hope in um and there was another gentleman named uh, Michael who he was homeless for 25 years and he used to be a Golden Glove boxer in New York City. Wow. Yeah, where do the symptoms of a traumatic brain injury stop and schizophrenia start? Mm-hmm. Symptoms can mimic each other. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to treat. Yeah. And so um, between the two of them, getting those two gentlemen off the streets, mm-hmm. that's 50 years worth of homelessness, wow. Wow. which is just like and two people. Yeah. Two people. Yeah. And I had several more, um, but started learning, um, that this was a precarious, it's not a, a stable model. All it took is one incident where a landlord didn't want to rent anymore because we were subleasing. Um, it took one someone just to decide they didn't want to be a landlord anymore. They sell their complex or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. that is. Um, or just, I mean, I could go on and on and yeah, on about so how unstable that is. Yeah, situations that could occur mm-hmm. or that could be gotten in the blink yeah. of an eye. And we couldn't really decorate the way that I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And um, I was still working at Patrick's mm-hmm. and I was teaching origami in the school system and just kind of. Yeah, I was going to ask. What were you doing? You were still at Patrick's at this time. Mm-hmm. This is another full-time gig. You yes. basically just took on for yeah. no money, um, volunteering, doing the origami. You must have been really busy. Yes. Um, <laughs> and it was, uh, you know, had to provide some clients with cigarettes or groceries or, you know, whatever. It would be available for that late night mm-hmm. call when they wanted to discuss something before it turned into a crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, so... It was 24 hours, essentially. So I started having less shifts. And it's also in college. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just all the pain all yeah. at once. We'll take it. Yeah. Right? And uh, but started really seeing a change in people's lives. And that was what was the, the fuel to keep going yeah, on. definitely. So at some point, um, I met my business mentor who taught me so much so 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 much and he someone told him about me and he came into patrick's one night and handed me his business card and said call me I said okay and i remember being kind of frustrated because i looked him up online couldn't find any trace of this guy online i was like oh, this is kind of suspect uh turns out he just doesn't have much of a trace online and um really Came the most incredible mentor, even to this day. Um, taught me so much about business, sustainability, um, growth, and you know, sometimes one step forward, two steps back. And because uh, he had dealt with a lot of that in his professional life, and so um, he's like my cheerleader. Yeah, what a blessing! <laughs> yes, to have that just come into your life. Oh my gosh! Definitely. So you were looking, right? It just you just no, came in. just. Kept oh. rolling with the LLC, yeah. and then he came in and you know looked at it and loved it and really uh, believed in the cause and um, and how it was being accomplished. But then we said that this model wasn't sustainable if we wanted to grow and help more people. So we talked to a lot of other individuals that had nonprofits and said, looked at the 
pros and cons and, you know, uh, just thought we need to turn this into a nonprofit to make it sustainable. And so we did. Uh, right after I finished my master's degree in Tokyo um, mm. on mental illness, and that's a that's a whole different story. Yeah. Um, I lived with a schizophrenic homeless man on the streets that thought I was Cindy Lauper <laughs> in <laughs> Tokyo. Yes. Oh wow! Yeah, I went for um, okay, several. We, we small need a trips. whole another episode. On yeah, that, <laughs> on that adventure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think he's off the streets now. Um, I still go and search for him, and as I have friends who go, I give them the GPS coordinates of oh, where he hung out, and oh he's never there. So that's that's good news. Yeah. I think. I hope. Yeah. So, um, anyways, I digress. Uh, started the nonprofit on. January 1st of 2020, uh, we took we, we took some time because I actually got news while I was in Tokyo. I remember going to the 7-Eleven um, because they have Xerox machines and I was executing documents. <laughs> oh, my god! <laughs> like a 14-hour time difference because there was no time to wait. And I was working on the website, doing my thing. just um, And then we, we had this very strategic um, changeover. Because we we just, you know, if you have a chance to make it, you know, January 1st on the books, why not? Yeah, right? Yeah. So we took everything, which was nothing, um, and donated it to the nonprofit and then um, shut down the LLC and commenced operations January 1st of 2020. And, and at that point, what, have, what had you had? Oh, uh, gosh, we must have had. Did you have houses? How many people? No houses. Um, we had. Like twenty five subleased apartments, okay. yeah, 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 and we started rehoming them in in this um time period, mm -hmm. right, and then at one point, um we got an opportunity actually, we had one house that was subleased, um we had an opportunity where someone was going to purchase a home for us and rent it to us for like thirty five years, something where we don't have to worry, and um you know we can run that, and um. Then a week away from closing, COVID hit. Oh, man. That was in 2020. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And they're like, well, I don't really know what's going to happen with my company. But if you can figure out the financing, then it's yours. I said, okay. Mm. So start raising money. Enter silver lining. Yes. <laughs> they said, keep the earnest money. You know, do the thing. All the inspections were done. Mm. You know, it was just boom, ready. So we... um. I raised money. I started calling all my my old um, regular customers from Patrick's and saying, hey, remember when it started on the sidewalk? Well, now, da, 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 which a lot of people had been following, but yeah. said, um, I need your help now. Yeah. Raised the money. Now's the time. Mm -hmm. Raised the money, bought the house, and then suddenly had an asset to the organization. So that was a big deal as we were, you know, had a place to move people into and then we're rehoming other individuals by working with other organizations and kind of hit reset in a way. But it was, um, you know, it provides the stability that our clients need. They know they're coming to a home. It's not going to be sold from underneath them. You know, the management isn't going to change anything like that. And um, so Glad this came up. These are this is a men's home, uh, which we 
work with a local um, art gallery when you went to the art yeah. auction. Mr. Paul Sykes of Art Avenue yeah. donates all the art to all of our homes That's now. So incredible. Yeah. All the art is donated and a lot of the furniture as well, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we actually just partnered with Ringling students to provide um, these artistic uh, murals. Um, so it's really fun to work with them. Just kind of had a couple ideas and said, this is the color palette. Let's, you know, yeah. have at it. Make me proud. And, uh, cause they're way better at it than I am. And, um, a lot of these things are donations. How do you make them come together and make a cohesive environment? And mental health is rooted in our environment, whether that's, um, the things around us, the people around us, um, the situations happening uh, because of us or sometimes to us, you know, however you want to look at it. Mm -hmm. But what you need a safe, stable home as a foundation um, to be anything, to have mm -hmm. purpose, to yeah. um, to feel safe. Um, you know, looking at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you really have to start with um, safety. And then, you know, um, okay, food and sustenance. Yeah, there we go. So physiological needs. And then, okay, the actual feeling of safety. So not just um, uh, your your environment. So, okay, where are you going to eat? Mm. Um, or what are you going to eat? Where are you going to eat it? And then am I that's deserving the of this? Foundation. Mm -hmm. need, that's the base, the foundation. Exactly. Interacting with other people in a positive way, having that support system and, um, you know, unified over various things. So, and then from there, how you feel about yourself, how you present yourself to the world, how you dress, how you, um, how, how you transport yeah. around the community, how you, um, can explain yourself to the world or navigate different problems. And then your purpose. That's all these things coming together and how you feel about um, yourself and your environment. That's um, imperative Confidence. to who we are. Yeah. Yeah. Your ego. Yeah. And if you're on the streets and you're struggling and you're suffering, you know, your ego is hurt. It, it's, it's damaged. And um, uh, one of our clients, she said the toughest part of her day was um, putting on her makeup because she had to find a when she was homeless, she had to find an empty storefront where she didn't think employees were in just to draw on her eyebrows. And so she started off her day feeling embarrassed every day. Yeah. Because right? it was a big production. Yeah. Right. And imagine having it, you know, in a swoosh. Yeah. <laughs> it would look like my makeup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, um, you know, th these small things build up to how we present ourselves for that day and how we um, just move forward as individuals, how we interact with others. And so the basis of our organization is to really meet people where they're at, love them for who they are, and find the greatest quality of life given whatever circumstances are present. Now, there is a little bit of um, uh, an accountability factor in there, too. Our clients have to have a mental health diagnosis to be in our program. Um, it can be self-reported because oftentimes things go undiagnosed or misdiagnosed or can develop. If you are homeless for any period of time, you have a higher chance at developing a mental illness. 
Now think about when you're just you're you're trying to satiate your personal space hula hoop needs, immediate safety, and then okay, I need to eat, I need to stay out of the rain, I need to go to the bathroom, mm. and so much to think about. Yeah, most of us don't on a day to day basis. Exactly, we take for granted almost. Mm-hmm. How can you possibly start to think about those higher purpose um, needs when you're just in these really short-term needs. Um, So our homes are providing a safe and functional environment with support. So you can really start saying, what are my hobbies? Can I explore that? Uh, What is my fashion? How can I explore that instead of being given things? Um, You know, what's my right to choose? What am I going to choose? How is that going to develop? What time do I want to get up at? When am I going to brush my teeth? Do I brush my hair before I brush my teeth? Or do I take a shower? Yeah. And then, you know. Just the control over your decision. Exactly. Autonomy is so yeah. important. And when you're out the, on the streets and your body's in fight or flight trying to satiate these short-term needs, you can't realistically. Really progress mm-hmm. and get to that point. Exactly. Where you're like, who am I? What would I do? Where mm-hmm. would I be? What would I yeah. Where? Think about everybody passing by you and judging your life in that moment, saying, I know what socioeconomic status you're in. Yeah. You're homeless. Yeah. Or there are a ton of other people who don't look homeless, and they are. Mm-hmm. That's the hidden homeless. That's mm-hmm. um, me and my mother and autistic brother living in the car. There are a lot of people living in their vehicles. Um, there are a lot of people at the hospital. Um, or in jail or staying on somebody else's couch or just something that's not long-term and um, stable that, you know, are just ready to hit street homelessness or they might be in limbo for some time. So uh, it's, um, it's difficult to get people to understand that homelessness isn't always chronic street homelessness. Think about how far you have to fall before you're literally on that sidewalk where how many resources you have to, um, you know, really drain to yeah, get to that point. or not having. I've had that thought several times in my life where I just feel so grateful that I always feel like I have somewhere to go. I have family. I have friends. And it's just not a thought in my mind that that could ever happen to me. And there are a lot of people think like that, too. That's obviously nice, but then it is one of those where, and I, when I do pass someone on the street that is homeless, my immediate thought is, how did they get there? Mm-hmm. What's their journey? What's their story? It's not like, a, oh, look at that, you know, person that can't or doesn't have the motivation to do anything. Uh, but I do want to go back to something you said of, you know, homelessness, you're more inclined to develop mental illness. Mm-hmm. With all of this, I mean, what's the what are the chances of that being opposite or backwards? Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, because if you're um, mentally ill, uh, you have a greater chance of becoming homeless. Yeah, you know, think about how many potential bridges might have been burned. Mm. You know, how many people they've called through their support system, mm-hmm. um, and it's hard to deal with. It's um, as the individual that's experiencing it. And any of the support system, which the support system could be great, but, you know, they're tired of it or they don't know how to handle it. Now, what happens when someone is just 
um, so critically depressed that they can't bring themselves out and and um, do what seems so obvious to everybody else, right? Right, right. And um, what happens when it's something that is like schizophrenia, where someone's experiencing um, maybe auditory hallucination, something of that nature, saying, you know, don't get up and go to the bus and go to school. You know, like you guys sit here, you know, you have these like conflicting yeah. things, um, which I can only learn about through um, a bit through our clients. Yeah, through your own clients. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it can be cyclical in, in that um, sense where, you know, if you have um, an instance of homelessness, you have a greater chance at becoming, uh, at developing a mental illness, you know, at least PTSD at the bare minimum. Yeah. Um, and if you have a mental illness, you have a greater chance of becoming homeless. Meditation and breathwork are things I highly credit that calmed my anxiety, healed my nervous system, and became a daily habit for me that eases my stress. The last few years have taught us how important mental health is to our overall state of well-being, and I now know the importance of staying calm, centered, and grounded no matter what is happening in my current circumstances, which is why I'm so glad I discovered Headspace. Headspace helps improve mental health through guided meditations, mindfulness practices, breathing and calming exercises, and so much more. These tools can help reduce anxiety, boost your mood, and help you sleep better. And when you only have a few minutes to get in the right Headspace, there are programs to do on the go when pressed for time. Headspace has the world's largest library of content with over a thousand hours of clinically proven mindfulness exercises. If you've never tried it, I cannot recommend these tools and techniques more. It's time to focus on your mental health. Headspace has helped me and more than a hundred million people worldwide, and they can help you too. So listen up, you don't want to miss this. For a limited time, all of you can try Headspace free for 60 days by going to headspace.com slash habits 60. You won't find this offer anywhere else. You must use my link H-E-A-D-S-P-A-C-E dot com slash habit 60 to unlock all of Headspace free for 60 days. This is not something they normally do, so definitely jump on it right now. Headspace.com slash habits 60. Have you ever wondered why laundry detergent comes in massive plastic jugs? 91% of those inconvenient, awkward, heavy jugs end up in landfills and oceans, harming our planet and marine life. There has to be a better way. And it's not like you can just stop doing laundry. So do what I did. Switch to Earth Breeze. Earth Breeze is a revolutionary liquidless laundry detergent that dissolves 100% in any wash cycle, hot or cold. The laundry detergent Ego Sheets look just like dryer sheets, but they're not. There's no measuring, no mess, and no heavy plastic jugs. Just toss the sheet in. Their packaging is lightweight, biodegradable, and plastic-free. The Eco Sheets are hypoallergenic and dermatologist-tested, so it's great if you have sensitive skin like me. And don't worry, Earth Breeze is compatible with high-efficiency washers, gray water systems, and a septic safe. The best part? 
they offer flexible subscriptions that can be adjusted, paused, or canceled by you at any time. No contracts or fees. They'll deliver it right to your door via free carbon neutral shipping at a frequency you can set that works for your unique lifestyle and schedule. The first thing I noticed when using EarthBreeze was the smell. I could smell it right when I picked it up off my porch. But to know it's toxic-free and not endangering the planet makes it perfect for me to feel good about using. And they offer 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Right now, my listeners can subscribe to EarthBreeze and save 40%. Go to earthbreeze.com slash habits to get started. That's earthbreeze.com slash habits for 40% off. earthbreeze.com slash habits. So our client, Nick, who um, recently, he had a small feature in a documentary that aired on PBS um, called The Sarasota Experience. Um, he went through, oh, there he is. Yeah, fabulous. <laughs> so that's us on the red carpet. That was so Woo-hoo! nice for him to have that. Um, oh, my goodness. Yeah, what's, kids, what's Nick's but, story? Oh, he's just... um. He went through 19 different foster homes, um, and I think you you and, and Tyler got to work with him at the um, I didn't get home. to work with him. Tyler did, but I didn't meet him at the auction. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so um, Nick's one of our clients who went through 19 different foster homes and suffered horrific abuse and neglect, and um, he became homeless after that period of time. Um, and, you know, even if you have a good experience in foster care, you lose your support system after yeah. that. So was Who that was at 18. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At 18. Yeah. You're essentially, you're out of foster care once you're 18. Yeah. yeah. You age out. You age out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he was homeless for 10 years. And in those 10 years, he was arrested 45 times. <laughs> and, you know, things, outdoor lodging, you know, trespassing, open container, mm-hmm. you know, all these things that happen oftentimes when you're homeless. Mm-hmm. And just imagine being arrested that consistently. And he's struggling with his schizophrenia. He's trying to self-medicate because forget trying to take medication on the streets. Your stuff's getting stolen all the time. You can't make doctor's appointments regularly, even if it is your intention to. Okay, mm-hmm. suddenly it's raining. Mm-hmm. How are you going to get to the yeah. bus stop? Um, and then, um, so he's 31 now, okay? Wow. So he's had a really tough life. Yeah. And he looks so happy there, though. Yeah, he, <laughs> he deserves it. Yeah. And um, he has such a valuable insight on what it's like to be homeless, what it's not like to be homeless. He told me. One of the biggest misconceptions about him and being homeless was, you know, people would tell him, dude, you stink. Like, get off the bus. You stink. And, um, you know, quit taking up the sidewalk. You stink. He said the single thing he wanted to do most was shower. That's all he wanted yeah. to do. He did not want to stink. He wanted to, you know, regularly wear yeah. deodorant and, then, you know, these things that were not accessible to him. Like, he could get a stick of deodorant, but someone was going to steal his backpack. And, you know, you've got a decision. Do you start scrapping with someone who's going to steal your backpack and risk getting in trouble again? Or do you just let it go? Is that not the hill to die on? Now, and imagine having all your worldly possessions lost, stolen, or rained on over and over and over and over again. Beat. Yeah. 
your or, your birth certificate, you know, uh, your medication, all these different mm-hmm. things being lost over and over and over again. And you can't get a job unless you have a place to live and an ID. Mm-hmm. You That's can't, bare minimum, yeah. Right? And you can't get oh. an ID unless you have a place to live and two other forms of ID. <laughs> so, and mm. you're losing these things over mm. and over and over again. And so Nick has a lot of wonderful conversations with the community about what it's like to be homeless, what it isn't, what it's like to have schizophrenia, and what it isn't. And from what I've come to understand, it's about managing it, just like diabetes. You have to pay attention to your symptoms, and you have to advocate for yourself with your doctor, with your support system, say, hey, these are the things that are happening, or these are the things that are not happening. Like, hey, I'm starting to lose sleep. Maybe Mm. this isn't my therapeutic dose. Um, And to really advocate and adjust as time goes on. Because there's no one silver bullet solution um, that, you know, it's about monitoring and management and um, that support system helps you do that. So today he's working on his GED. Um, He's about to take the last portion um, at the end of this month. His tutors are two ballerinas from the Sarasota Ballet. (laughs) And... um, I got to tell Cute. you, you'll you'll enjoy this. Um, the day of the art auction, because he was supposed to, he made a piece mm. and he wanted to speak about his piece. And um, two things happen. Um, a woman called me because I had just written a, an article for the Sarasota Herald Tribune um, about individuals like Nick and what we can do to help. And um, she called up and said, "Hey, um, Nick was my student 19 years ago." And she was the one who noticed bruises and things and said she she sounded the alarm that that mm-hmm. placement wasn't a good one. And so she did the mandatory reporting. And then she never got to hear what happened to him until she read that article. Oh, gosh. So wow. I said, do you want to come meet him if, if he's okay with yeah. that? And she said, oh, my goodness. She really wanted to. Yeah. And he said, Absolutely. Let me just change my artist bio. And he changed one sentence to say that there was a teacher that made a difference in his life. And they had a reunion. They got to hug. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. They had a reunion. um, And teachers don't get to hug their students. And after 19 years, Mm -hmm. you know, she finally um, got to see that he was going to be all right. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And then he called that morning um, before the art auction and said, I have a problem. I said, what? <laughs> you know, thinking, yeah, all right, he's good speaking from a bunch of yeah. people, you know. Doesn't have an outfit, needs a new tie, something. <laughs> well, <laughs> he said, um, I I went to the ballet last night to see my tutors in their, their new um, dance. And uh, I'm afraid people are going to see me in the same tie <laughs> at the ballet. Aww. I thought. Oh, oh my what goodness. A- <laughs> I'm like, Nick, just I'll get you a different tie. Yeah, and, yeah. and I had Show to get up. off the phone because I started crying. Oh. I thought, how nice is it that he's worried about fashion faux pas? And where then what he's gonna say or yeah, being up in front or of Or where people. he's gonna lay his head or how oh, to avoid yeah, the police. Yeah. Um and he has utmost forgiveness for mm-hmm. the police. Um he 
he whenever he sees them, they cry. They can't believe that it's the same gentleman mm. that they knew who wasn't so mm. gentlemanly at the time. But they knew deep down he was a good person, but there were things that he was doing that he, you know, under the, the law needed to be arrested yeah. for at the time. So um And how did you connect with him? How did he get he, into your program? He came into our program through, we've got about 70 different referral sources, and um, one of them is the Mental Health Jail Diversion Program. It's called Comprehensive Treatment Court, and it takes low-level offenders um, that are going through the court system and says, hey, maybe you're not a criminal. Maybe you just don't, maybe you're homeless, Mm -hmm. and maybe you have a mental illness, and you need access to the supports to do things different. Um, our board member, Judge Erica Quartermain, actually started that up many years ago. Wow. Yeah. Cool. So it came full circle when yeah. she was able wow. to join the board. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and um, so it approaches people in jail and says, hey, okay, do you have a mental illness or is there reasonable certainty one might exist? And are you homeless? And if they answer those two questions, um, then they have an opportunity to have their low level. Um, Charges dismissed wow. if they take the housing, they take medication, they take therapy, um, they uh, become eventually uh, financially independent. Um, and it's, you know, it can be a long program. It depends mm-hmm. on the individual. Yeah. And so he came to us through that program. And at first I thought, this guy's never going to make no. it. He had experienced such a, a tough life, but I love being proved wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm sure you're like proving it too. Yeah. Now, you know, he's on the red yeah. carpet. So oh, I'm like, oh, this amazing. is great. Yeah. That takes me into uh, kind of go through your second heart home program because you have something very similar. I know everyone's individual and everyone's needs are different, but is there a certain structure that you follow? What's the first thing you would do if someone came in? Mm-hmm. And what is there like the first like a first protocol? Um, is it mental? Is it physical? To kind of take us through that. Yeah. So um, first thing is you have to have the houses right, mm-hmm. and they have to be safe environments. Okay. So this is through the houses. Um, the mental or the um, second heart homes program is only if you're within the house. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we have eight houses now yeah. um, and no mortgages, mm-hmm. and we don't take any city, state, or federal funding. It's mm-hmm. all individual contributions um, and private sector funding, like, you know, maybe a church or, you know, a foundation mm-hmm. type of thing. Um, and so when people apply for our program, they have to go through a screening. We have to determine first and foremost, um, is this the right program for them? You know, if someone's an active um detox, they need to go to a medical facility. Uh, We need to make sure that they either have a mental illness or um, maybe have something that, you know, can be treated. Anyone who says, hey, um, I just need a place. I don't need a program. Well, that's not necessarily the the right place for them. And we try to shoot them towards um, one of our many partners um, that might be able to help them. Shelter or something. Yeah. It depends on the the situation. Um, So, then they also have to have a commitment to addressing their mental health and, and physical health and developing these habits and, and hobbies, right? That mm-hmm. only a stable environment with supports can can help you achieve. Um, if someone does not want to address those needs, then 
they do not qualify not for the, a program at that program time. for you, yeah. Yeah, hopefully at some point they either self-resolve or they decide that they are ready. Mm. I mean, think about how many times that very first gentleman in 25 years, mm. how many times he might have, people might have tried to help him, but maybe he wasn't ready. Yeah, that's the first step. Mm -hmm. Complete acceptance, mm -hmm. ownership, mm -hmm. and accepting and saying, okay, this, I need the help. Mm -hmm. I think if you don't have that, you don't have a solid foundation yes. to build upon. Exactly. That's so true. If you don't accept that you need the help, then then this isn't the program yeah, for you. Yeah. Um, yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah, you're not a lost hope. Yeah. No back. one's completely lost. Yeah. Um, so then as they're um being screened, uh, once our operations team decides, uh, yes, you're coming into the program, then um we start with, okay, do you have a primary care physician? If not, then let's get one established. And what are your medications you're taking? Do you have a routine to take them? Here's a medication box to track them. Here's a day planner. Let's start building goals. Let's make this a little less scary. And let's start making this like systematic and, and, um, and digestible, mm -hmm. right? You can start off with saying, hey, I'm going to brush my teeth in the morning. Guess what? Once you do that, you get a little check mark. Yeah. Then you do it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some people might just say, okay, hygiene. And that includes multiple things. Some people don't need to put that on their list. It depends on the person. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, we did a 13-week poetry workshop with a gentleman named Cedric. And one of our clients wrote a poem called Feral. Because he said it was like being a feral animal coming into a new home and essentially having to be domesticated and say, I'm not out in the woods anymore. Yeah. Um, bathroom time is not just a time of opportunity. It's, hey, when when you need to. Yeah. It's okay. Everyday life. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, we're looking at the medical portion, how, you know, the, the physical and the mental. We have a volunteer doctor, Dr. Sean Downing, um, who volunteers as emergency primary care, um, who, let's say someone comes into our program and their psychiatric appointment isn't until like two months. But mm -hmm. meanwhile, they're about to be out of their medication. Yeah. Um, he'll look at the history, make sure it makes sense and um, be able to prescribe that until they can get in there and oftentimes that's what is um diverting a crisis before it starts you know when we our care managers will work with our clients and they see our clients 365 days a year every single property is seen daily we don't live on the properties our clients are expected to be independent we are just there to guide them to the right decisions, give them the right tools to make the right decisions. And that's through seeing everyone on a daily basis. You know, Joe may not need something that day, but tomorrow he might. And yeah. to know that somebody's coming by mm -hmm. to check in on mm -hmm. him, say, hey, you know, Joe, you're not signing up for um, grocery shopping and you don't have any groceries on your shelf in the refrigerator. Um, you know, what's going on? Oh, you're not eating as much. Oh, you're not taking your medication mm -hmm. uh, because, oh, you said it gives you a bad stomach ache. Well, let's get into the doctor and talk about those stomach aches and see, you know, you don't just need to cold turkey yeah, or medication. It's a lot of accountability, which is good for mm -hmm. at first, at the beginning. How long would you say a typical client, how long would that last to have that full accountability? Um, I mean, that's every day. 
someone's mm-hmm. gonna come in and check mm-hmm. and and see and you know we'd love to have a place to move clients out to at some point but right now that's not the reality in mm-hmm. life um there is nowhere oh yeah for so, anyone to move into yeah with your eight homes 49 people so you don't rotate them out um they're all those 49 people have been there in the home oh, well, the some people time. have rotated out oh, okay yes. okay <laughs> some people have got their own places moved oh, in with a significant okay. other oh great um, okay you know reunited with family what's a family oh, awesome. kind of sees hey now that they're stable, mm. this is manageable. Yeah. yeah, you can come live with yeah. me now. Okay. Yeah. Um, we want we have several clients who want their own places, mm. but right now that's not gonna yeah. happen. Yeah. You know, with the supply and mm. demand of the economy, it's just not going to happen right. right now. So we've taken a stance which kind of from the first day, um, it was like why would we kick out anyone who is doing the things they need to do? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not asking a whole lot. It's yeah. maintain your sobriety, you know, achieve goals and um, do the things you need to do. Yeah. And oh. that's what we have to do in everyday life. Exactly. Right. Just um, push through. We have these different goals and achieve them. But we're their cheerleading squad. Mm-hmm. We say, yeah. hey, you know, what do you want to accomplish Here's some ways. Which way do you want to choose to accomplish it? Because it's entirely up to them. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, now we've accomplished it. What's next? You know. Mm-hmm. So we help them understand what is a milestone too, because maybe they haven't had a support system yeah. to say, "Hey, good job on that." Yeah, yeah. There's always going to be a milestone. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be the next thing. So that's a never-ending thing. They could have, they could accomplish one thing, and then all right, let's move on to the next. Yeah. Yeah. I had a gentleman who every single day he could not make his bed. So I would go in because I used to provide all the day-to-day services. Now we have a whole team. It's much better. (laughs) I'm just a good guy all the time. It's great. Um, But I would say, okay, um, Fred, you get that side as we're putting, you know, the fitted sheet on. I said, I'll get this side, but you strike first. And then he would, and then we'd make his bed. And then Every day for like a year. <laughs> it's just the reality. And then one day I walked in and it was made. Oh I cried and cried. Oh. He's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and I said, you made your bed, Fred. Yeah, and yeah. he said, oh, I did. I said, this is wonderful. <laughs> he said, you know, I never even really noticed. He's like, thanks for not giving up on me. Oh my my, my mom used to take me by the hair and smash my face into the wall and, you know, for simple things like this. And here you are, you know, you want to throw a party mm-hmm. and like, you know, check goal. Yeah. What's next? Yeah. And so um, and part of that's caring for a home, too. You know, how much is too much for the washing mm-hmm. machine? <laughs> <laughs> What's the difference between dish soap and just washer soap? <laughs> Yeah, laundry detergent (laughs) so we're you know landlords but we're also um you know cheerleaders and have a whole team that that does all the day-to-day work with the clients and i deal mostly with design finding Mm -hmm. homes um so kind of procurement design working with wonderful volunteers like you and and tyler and um that was stuff that i need to do it more yeah get involved more. well It was sure at the time I needed you. I know. Come on, let's go. Those dressers, those (laughs) Ikea dressers, man, they will 
uh, rocker world. Yeah. Tyler, he came in, he was shoveling, you know, gravel yeah. and painting and yeah. him and Nick were just like, Aww. you know, and that's what it's about when our clients also come back and um, volunteer too. You know, Nick feels so good mm. that he's like, I went from not having a house to making a home mm. for women mm. that, you know, are very... um vulnerable out there and yeah. i love that he made that connection. um connection yeah. and feels good about it as he should yeah you know and um i think he's going to help a lot of people awesome. so eight homes 49 people 49 beds mm -hmm. correct but you've helped way more people or have gotten more people off the streets definitely that, correct yeah yeah some people use the program as a stepping stone to mm -hmm. get into their own place you know start to build some stability and um, then maybe their next goal is to get their own place. We want to support people and what their goals are. And if someone's goal isn't to get into their own place, um, then we just think, well, maybe not right now, but maybe later. Mm -hmm. I mean, that gentleman for 25 years mm -hmm. was homeless yeah. and imagine how many people tried to help him and you know, it fell through yeah. for various reasons. Um, and so that's, uh, you know, it's not giving up on people even when they're doing their worst. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we oftentimes prevent a crisis before it starts because right. we're there to really listen to our clients, show them how to advocate for themselves and turn that page on homelessness mm -hmm. by being empowered. And we just partnered with the ballet to bring tickets yeah. to our clients. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, how amazing is that? Yeah. You know, because... We, we, me and some of the girls had a, had a trip to TJ Maxx <laughs> and trying to, um, you know, focus on what, what you're going to be comfortable in at the ballet. Yeah. And <laughs> like, girl, you're going to be cold in that halter top. And cute, Emily Post says no. Yeah. Yeah. That's cute. Let's get some sweaters. Yeah. <laughs> so listening to people, their needs and giving them the access and opportunity to be, part of the community again mm -hmm. or sometimes for the first time and just say i'm worth it and um and we can have our bad days that's fine but it's how we deal with them and don't let us um let them drive us so far into the dirt that we can't get out yeah well you're obviously doing so much in the community for sarasota in the last since i've just met you i've heard your name multiple times and we've connected with so many of the same people what is next for second heart homes Ooh, okay. Next. <laughs> well, we want to continue to find more homes and open them um, and provide these um, you know, really inspired environments for our clients. You, know, you can't be anything unless you're safe, like end yeah. of story. Um, and then you can start to grow from there. So we want to open more homes. Um, we want more collaborations, you know, things like the ballet. We have an art class. Uh, I think one's happening right now at one of our houses. Oh, they're doing a, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, so I'm not going to say it, but they're doing Japanese jewelry, yeah. um, special type. <laughs> and, uh, uh, so we'll look that up for you and put it in the show notes. <laughs> what that was. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you a funnier story about that. Um, so we can't do it all alone. So we want to meet more people who can help us do it. Um, you know, whether that is working with clients, providing other programs or behind the scenes, anyone who wants to help fundraise, mm, yes, we need your help. 
Intense. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and there's a matching donation program through flanzertrust.org, uh, and they match all donations mm-hmm. from um, $20 to $500 a, a month. Mm-hmm. And then they will um, honor that up to $3,000 a year per individual. So anyways, had to get the plug in. <laughs> but um, we need volunteers for various things. Uh, it's not always working with clients. It could be when a house comes up because that's a very targeted mm-hmm. thing. Hey, we just closed. We need to open this day. Let's go. Um, yeah, that was a, oof, when I went in, it was. <laughs> considered almost done and I was like oh wow I got a lot of work to do yeah it's a lot home remodeling is is serious business um and it comes together uh you know so so quickly um and you saw pictures of the final product Mm -hmm. and we were able to open in time yeah yeah I was was great so happy we were able to meet that deadline um that's the shortest amount of time we've had to open a home um and so what's next is I want to change the public's opinion, the stigma on homelessness and mental illness, and think about what we can do um, long term to help. Um, you know, there are definitely lots of nice short term things we can do. Um, but what can we do in the long term? That's by supporting organizations like ours and, and others. Um so we can grow and really meet the need. We had 219 women apply for our program last year. Okay. We don't have that take? many beds. Yeah. How many did you take? Uh, maximum, you know. And so mm. at the time we only had um, 12 beds. Mm. And so, you know, mm. and you know, mm. some of them cycled. And uh, But if we have more capacity, then we can help more. And Maybe others get inspired to do it too, or to kind of move off. Hey, I'm going to go feed on this day to, okay, what could I do that could be more long-term and transformative? Um, And maybe there's a healthy balance between those things. Um, We invited people to make their special dish on Thanksgiving and Christmas um, for our clients and bring that to help us start tradition with our clients instead of necessarily going to feeding on the street every time. Yeah. So um, if anyone wants to talk about what those things are, I'm happy to have those conversations. Awesome. And yeah. Awesome. All right. The last question I always ask my guests, and you kind of just answered it a little bit, but I want to ask you, what do you know for sure? So if you had a megaphone to the world and you could say anything and everyone in the world was listening to you, Megan, what do you want them to know? Just one thing. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, measure twice, cut once. <laughs> I hear you have a lot of handy men. Man, does that keep proving itself? <laughs> okay, one more, one more. Oh, live with light and love mm-hmm. and understanding um, and try to put yourself in other people's shoes. Um I'll even draw it back. There are kind of, uh, we're we're stronger with unity, right? And that unity is love. And there are two types of people when it comes to homelessness, people who are very empathetic and want to help. Maybe they're actually helping people who maybe aren't so empathetic. Maybe they've had a lot of valid things happen to them um, that made their position that way. Maybe they're a restaurant owner and their uh, customers are being accosted or Someone's using the bathroom on their doorstep. I mean, those are very valid reasons to be upset. 
But at the end of the day, both parties want the same thing. They want people to be off the streets. So if we paid more attention to um, what we want in a unified fashion with love mm-hmm. and understanding and measuring twice and kind of, <laughs> <laughs> then uh, we, the world would be a better place. I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing more about your story. I'm going to put all the information about Megan in the show notes about her organization, how you can be a part of it, how you can donate. And thank you so much. Thank you. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.